Hello and welcome to the RBC Ross Trevor Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community, to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoyed this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Amen. What a joy it is to be with you this morning. Uh, a lot of times I get asked, are, are you American? Are you Canadian? I have good news. Uh, I've had an upgrade. I'm actually Australian. <laughs> I married an Aussie. I've been here for 13 years and loving life. And uh, it does feel a little bit like coming home when I fly into Adelaide because I feel like, you know, it's not quite as warm as Brisbane, I noticed this morning when I got up. Um, so well done getting out of the cold, getting here. I thought I'd start with this. Do we have any fans of the sound of music out there? Any fans of the sound of music? Let's see some hands if you're a fan of the sound of music. That's great. That's great. I see quite a few hands. Well, a, a number of years ago, my wife, Beck, Aussie, and I, uh, we went traveling through Europe, and, um, and we made this mutual agreement. We agreed that we could each choose one thing that the other person would have to happily participate in along this, this Europe tour. And, uh, and I made my selection. I was pretty proud of it. I did this uh, Band of Brothers uh, World War II tour in Normandy. And oh, I thought it was great. I, I assume she loved it as well. Um, and then we got to Salzburg, Austria. And I remember the moment my wife's eyes lit up with delight. And she said, here it is. Here's what we're going to do. It's a three-hour sound of music bicycle tower, uh, tour. And it said, sing the songs, see the sights. And I immediately was afraid. <laughs> now, she assured me that if I were to go, um, that I would get some sort of mountain bike. There'd be other men there, and I would have a great time. And so we arrived this, this morning, and, um, and there was 20 really excited, happy ladies and me. <laughs> and I did not get a mountain bike. I'm pretty sure I was riding the original Maria bike. And, and I looked like a gorilla on this thing. A gorilla with my box, backside was dragging on the street. If this bike had a basket for my purse and a bell. And every time the bell would ring, it was like a warning that soon another song was about to be sung. And I learned a lot about women who love the sound of music on this three-hour singing circus bicycle tour. And the first was this. Act like you're having a great time. Because if they think you're not having a great time, they're going to help you have a good time with further participation. Secondly, women must train for this tour because they know every line of every part of every song. And thirdly, if you even whisper a few lines of any part of any song, I promise you, it is like throwing petrol on a fire and they will spontaneously burst into song with you. Now, I love being a guest speaker when I can kind of come in and I can experiment and try different things. And if it doesn't go well, I get to leave and go home and leave it with Pastor Dan. So I just thought, I mean, it is a bit, a bit early in the morning for some of us, but 
But as a little experiment, I thought maybe I would kind of reenact what happened in that fateful day many years ago, and a little sing-along. And if so, if you would join me and put on your, your singing voice, um, I would just, I'm just going to help you. You just go along with me. If I said do, you would say? That's not Ray. You guys, it's Adelaide. It's cold. Okay. All right. Do, a deer. There we go. Ray. Oh, we're warming up. Me. Far. We're hitting our stride. So. Come on. La. We're getting some harmony. T. Oh, let's bring it home, and that will. Well done, guys. You brought it together. I'm having flashbacks and need counseling. But you guys did great. Man, you're laughing, but I, I, there's a place for you to bring your wives, I'm telling you. This morning, I'm going to be talking about the power of an invitation. The power of an invitation. Let me ask you, if someone were to ask you tomorrow why Jesus is good news or why the gospel matters today, what might you say? What would you say? I was asked that question by a rather talented musician. And I said this in response. I said, well, you are musically minded, so let me put it like this. The, the Christian faith is about Jesus. But perhaps we could describe it like a love song that began long ago. The song is good. It's changing the world. And we're invited to join along anytime. Jesus is leading the way. Some know the words. Some are just learning the words. And some will soon hear it for the first time. But of course, this is more than a song. This is the historic reality that Jesus has stepped into history to make a new way for a destiny ahead. And we're all invited. Jesus says, come and see. Come and be a part of this reality, this song. And after the resurrection, Jesus commissioned his followers to share this good news of his kingdom reign. He said in Matthew 28, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Make disciples. It's written in the imperative mood. So it has its sense. It's as you go about your everyday lives. Be living out of this song. Be living out of this historic reality as you go to your workplaces, your neighbors, your families, your friends. Make disciples knowing that He is with us. Surely He is with us as we go. And so we have this great commission. And yet for many of us, I feel like when we read these words to make disciples, it feels like it could be just something that's quite 
big, maybe a bit too heavy for us. And how would we even begin to do that? Maybe we just let it become like background music to our lives. I've found that for myself at times, and for many people I talk with, that we become nervous about how we would share it. We just, you know, we'll leave it to those extroverts in church, right? You know, the, the ones that are out there, they seem highly caffeinated, highly motivated. Let's pray for them. We'll cheer for them. But what if sharing about Jesus was simply an invitation to discover more about Christ? And say, come and see. Three words, come and see. I mean, I begin to wonder, what would happen in our communities, Adelaide, South Australia, beyond, in our nation, if the church began to take that last command of Jesus and live as if it was the first priority in the everyday places? Imagine what would happen. That it wouldn't just be left to the extroverts, but we'd each be sharing this good news, living out this reality, like one beggar telling another beggar where bread can be found, that there's a seat at the table for you to come and eat, to come and drink, and find life, find hope, find meaning. Do you know the power of an invitation? Now, this isn't about Alpha. What Alpha celebrates is people coming to faith and, 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 and seeing lives transformed and people coming to know Jesus. But I have a few Alpha stories. And I love this one story of a, of a guy named Adam that, I've, that I know. Adam was an airline pilot. And during the pandemic of COVID, he lost his job. And then Adam couldn't pay his mortgage because he couldn't, couldn't obviously he lost his income. And his marriage was already on the rocks. And so he suddenly found himself losing his house beside his jobs. And then he lost his marriage. And one day Adam found himself living on the streets of Brisbane. Thinking, how in the world did I get here? But there was a church group that were going into the streets and they were feeding people. And one day this, this uh, Adam was invited to, to, to come have a meal. They were feeding him, and they said, why don't you come back to the church? We'll feed you, we'll listen to you, we'll care for you. Why don't you come to Alpha? And Adam did, and he came to faith along the way. And many months onward, I heard the report from the pastor that said, Adam says that he's never gone through so much turmoil in his life, been going through so much chaos, and yet now that he's come to faith in Christ, he still has, he has this incredible sense of peace and joy and sense that God is with him in this moment. But it was all because of an invitation. I'll tell you one other quick story of Cherie. Now, I met Cherie about 10 months ago. And it was at this, this, this church leaders gathering in the city. And uh, I remember the moment. Now, Cherie, she was like, she's kind of a, a short lady, but she was like this firecracker personality. Like, she's full of energy, and you just knew when she was in the room. And Cherie ran up to me at, at this gathering, and she goes, I've done time in prison, and i got to talk to you. And I was like, you have my attention? <laughs> she goes, I was doing time in prison about eight years ago. And I was the worst of the worst at this detention facility for women. I was telling the ladies what to go and do. And one day, somebody invited me to do Alpha. 
And I thought, that's not for me. I don't want to know anything about this Alpha or the Jesus they talk about there. But she said, I, they were offering cookies, and I had nothing better to do in prison, so I went. And she said, I went there, and I was there week one, I had my arms like this. And then week two, and week three, week four. And suddenly, Cherie comes into a relationship with Christ. And her life is forever transformed. And now, eight years onwards, she's cornered me at this church leaders gathering to tell me that she's now going back into the prison system. She runs Alpha, but then the ladies that are coming out of the detention facility, she's helping these ladies get their life back together on the other side. All because of an invitation where somebody said, come and see. Come and see. Three words that can forever change somebody's life. When we each have this role to play in this great commission, but it could be as simple as come and see. You might be surprised to hear that there are many people in your life that you would never expect are so hungry to explore life and the meaning and purpose of why am I here, where am I going? People in your life right now that God has positioned you in relationship with. I think it's just worth remembering. One in four would come by McCrindle Research if somebody would invite them. One in two if they're below the age of 25. Yet most people don't know where they'd even begin to ask or somebody that would has a faith that they could begin to explore with. In a time when lifeline numbers are off the charts, we truly are living in the greatest season of evangelism in our generation. Romans 10, 14, though, says, how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? How can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? How is anyone going to tell them unless someone has been sent to do it? I thank God that he has sent someone. It's you and I, the body of Christ, in the everyday places of life together. And as we go, his presence will make us aware of the opportunities as we do. He goes with us. I mean, just think about it for a second. We all have come to faith through relationships. How many of us have come to faith as a young child? Perhaps we started coming as a young person and we grew up in the church. Well, it's probably because somebody who loves us, a parent, a grandparent, a neighbor, somebody helped us along the way, invited us to take a next step of faith. Or maybe we've come to faith as an adult, but it's almost guaranteed that there are certain people you can name in your life and say, God used them in a powerful way to help me and encourage me as I took my steps of faith. And maybe you're here today and you're not even sure where you're at in your relationship with Christ and you're still searching it out for yourself. But it is probably the case that someone who loves you or cares about you said, why don't you come along? Why don't you explore? Why don't you come to a church with me today? We each come to faith through relationships. William Temple once said that the act of bringing someone to Jesus is the greatest service one person can render one another. And it happens in the everyday places of life. 
Well, I find great encouragement by these three things. Three things that will help you as we go about making these invitations. The first is this. God is already on the go. God is already at work in the lives of the people around us. Isn't that good to know that we're not starting at zero with them? Secondly, it's the Spirit that is the lead evangelist. You know, it's, it's not our responsibility to make someone come to faith. Only the Spirit can reveal Christ for who He is, to convict, to compel. So the pressure really isn't on us, on Alpha, on a pastor, or anything else. It's the Spirit that is already at work in their life. And the third thing is this. We each have a role to play, no matter how small it might seem. God has chosen us to be a part of sharing His good news. I love how Daryl Johnson therefore defines evangelism. This is worth remembering. Evangelism is this. We are entering a conversation the Spirit is already having with somebody. We are inviting people to come and see, to hear, to listen in on the good plans that God has for their lives in our world. To come and see. There's power in an invitation. How many times do you think about Jesus through scriptures inviting people to come follow me, right? Or disciples then going on to say, come and see, you got to meet this Jesus. I mean, invitations are like, like they have this great potential to transform destinies. I mean, most marriages started by way of invitation, right? They took one look at me and they thought, invitation. I'm going to invite them to coffee, a movie, a walk. Most adventures in life start by way of invitation, don't they? Like, we're going to this thing. You got to come, sign up, be a part of it. We want you to come along. And here we have the greatest adventure, the most important thing someone could ever do with their life is make a, a decision for Jesus, a decision for Christ. Now, we don't need to be a gifted teacher. We don't need to be a, a, a really great speaker or anything like that. Throughout scriptures, over and over again, we see that God sends everyday people who have encountered Him with courage to share. Just think about what it would have been like in that moment when Jesus became announcing the reign of His kingdom. How incredible would it have been Mark 1.14, Jesus says, The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. He's saying, turn your life towards this reality that's breaking into this world, to this, this song, this historic event. And what does this kingdom drawing near look like? It's the foretaste of the coming event. Where the blind see the lame walk, the deaf hear, the hungry are fed, the mentally ill are made well. I mean, what an exciting moment to be living in. Where Jesus is saying, the time is starting right now. Here's a taste of what's coming. I mean, what would you do if you were in that moment listening in? I, I know what I would do. I'd be like, let's assemble the best and the brightest. We need a social media campaign. We need cre creative arts. We need the best worship team. We need all this stuff. We need people that can, you know, great preachers. We need great preachers. But listen in as Jesus makes his first round draft pick. This is his dream team. All right. 
Matthew 4.18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of the Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. This is amazing. Jesus goes into the poor backwater areas of Galilee, a regional area that people in that time would literally make fun of saying things like, can anything good come from there? But it's in that space he starts picking his team, these everyday people. So right away, this grace is revealed that, that God's selection isn't about our capacities. It's not about what we can do for God, but celebrating what he has done for us. Good news. Peter and Andrew, they're just fishermen. You know, if they would have had any potential to be, you know, the best and the brightest, you know what they would have done? They would have been sent off to, to study to Bible school, to study the Torah at that time. And after many years of studying, they would approach a rabbi and say, can I follow you? But Jesus reverses that. He goes to this backwater area and says, why don't you follow me? I'm picking you, everyday people, to share my good news. I'm counting you in. And after the resurrection, it was these same everyday people that went on to transform the known world with this message of Christ. And it's overturning the city of Jerusalem. I love how Peter is hauled into the courts with, with John in Acts 4.13. They want an accounting for the upheaval in the city of all these people coming to faith. And it says, when the authorities saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. The same presence of Christ that abides in our hearts today. His Spirit with us that still today is transforming lives in cities and beyond, throughout the world. They've been with Jesus. God sends everyday people who have encountered him with the courage to share. I love the, the Kasugi bull that was talked about uh, at the very beginning of the worship. Because you know, you can't really encounter Jesus till you recognize our own brokenness, our own need of a Savior. But when we recognize that, that we're broken and we need help beyond our own strength and what we can do, that's when we suddenly understand how good the gospel is. That we cannot save ourselves. That we're not strong enough or smart enough to work it out on our own. That the brightest minds of our time cannot solve the issues of peace around the globe and the struggles that we see. I love how Jesus says in Matthew 21 to the neat and tidy religious crowd, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom ahead of you. And he's not trying to say, guys, you need to pick up your game and work harder. He's saying, give up on the self-salvation story. You can't save yourself. I'm bringing good news. I've come to set things right. Follow me. And sometimes I feel like you have to it's like this feeling you've got to have your life neatly put together before you can share that invitation. They say, come and see. Come explore faith. But it actually is those cracks 
filled with the goldness, the goodness of God that revealed how good the gospel is. You know who the greatest messenger of the gospel is recorded in, in, in the, the books of the Bible? The greatest evangelist in the gospel? You might think it's somebody that has their life neatly put together. They went to the right school. They're from the right people group. You know, they've done everything right in life. They drive the right car. It's not. It's actually the Samaritan woman at the well. She brings her whole town to encounter Jesus with three words, come and see. Now many of you will know the story well in John 4, but just remember these, these few things. Firstly, she's a woman. And women in that day, in that culture, they were not treated well. Their testimony was not even considered valid in the courts of law. And then if you know the story, she's a Samaritan. And Samaritan were like the wrong people group. Nobody liked the Samaritans. They were totally unpopular. And then you look more deeply in the story, you find it's the sixth hour when Jesus meets her in the middle of the day. Sixth hour is the middle of the day, and this is a hot desert climate, and she's there alone at the well. It's not cultural at all because you know what they used to do they used to get up early in the morning the women would go collect the water for the needs of the day when it's nice and cool it's a hot desert climate right then they would go back in the cool of the morning and here she is alone middle of the day i don't think it's a big venture to say you know she's probably a lonely person maybe she's a bit of an outcast and then you hear, hear the story a bit more. You discover there's a, she's had five broken marriages. Five times she's been rejected by a man. Five times she's been said, you're not lovable. You're not good enough. I'm sending you away. And now she's living with a guy. Because in that time, if a woman wasn't connected with a man, often there was a, a lack of, of food security and, and a place, a roof over your head. So she's living with this guy. And so here she is in the middle of the day, lonely, sitting there. And she encounters Jesus for who he really is. He says, I'm offering you living water. I'm offering you a hope beyond what you see. Come follow me. And she's so excited by this invitation that she runs back to town and she says in 429 to the townspeople, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. He knows everything about my brokenness, my past, my mistakes, my failures, and yet he loves me. Could this be the Messiah? So she doesn't even have all of her facts figured out. She hasn't worked it all out on her own. Could this be the Messiah? And the townspeople came out and they made their way toward him. And they eventually say to the woman, after spending a few days with Jesus, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. How amazing that this unknown Woman at the well with a broken history becomes the greatest evangelist recorded in the Gospels by those three words. Come and see. Come and see. Can you hear it? God sends everyday people who have encountered Him with courage to share.
Courage not being the absence of fear, but a willingness to keep going despite it because of a greater hope beyond it. You know, the disciples, the early followers of Jesus, they knew fear. Do you remember after the crucifixion of Jesus what they did? They didn't immediately go out and start sharing about Jesus. What they do? They locked themselves behind a door. They were went into hiding. They were afraid that they were going to be killed off next. But you know, as they were locked behind that door in hiding, something beyond their fear, something greater than their fear stepped through the door. A resurrected Savior. And it totally transformed the life that they were living. Suddenly, they knew that there was hope, there was life, there was a promise yet ahead. And they were prepared to step through those locked doors and begin to share it with those around him, from Jerusalem, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. They were willing to die for it because they knew of a life beyond it. And I just begin to wonder what would it take in our generation in this greatest season of evangelism that we're living in, of evangelism that we're living in. What would it take for us in our own lives to step behind the doors and the locks that we've put beyond and our own fears to say, all right, there's something greater than our fears that we need to step beyond to begin to share this good news in a season such as this. What would it take to move us, to pray for our friends, to invite them, to bring them. You know, the, the, the church is, is not a location, it's a movement of friends inviting friends. I mean, just think about it for a moment. What, what does Andrew do when he first meets Jesus? He gets his brother Peter and says, come and see. you got to meet this guy. Or you think about Mark 2, the, the story of four loyal friends. You know the story where the, there's a, a, a guy, on a par- he's a paralyzed man on a mat. And he's got four loyal friends, and they, they've probably been praying for him for years. But now they hear Jesus is in town. He's announcing a foretaste of what's yet ahead. They're seeing miracles. They say, we've got to bring you. And they begin to pick him up, these four friends, and begin to bring him along. And I don't even know if he wanted to go. And you can imagine the, 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 the chaos and the whole thing, because Jesus is talking and he's speaking at this, at this event. He's at this, someone's house, and there's a crowd full of people, and there's so many people around, they can't get through the front door. So what are they going to do? Well, they have this bright idea. They're going to take him on the roof, and they're going to let him through the roof. And they begin digging a hole. Can you imagine the scene, the chaos, and all this, as the dust is falling down, and the guy's got to you know, <laughs> heave him up there. And there he is being lowered down by his four loyal friends who love him and care for him, praying for him for years. And he encounters Jesus. And I don't know whether that paralyzed man wanted to go or not, but I bet you glad that he had four loyal friends that were willing to bring him when he walked out of there a healed and transformed man. See, I don't ever want to die wondering in a moment such as this, in the cultural moment like we're living in right now, what would have happened if I just would have been praying for my friends? What would have happened if I would have invited them? What would have happened if I would have brought them to hear something of the good news, 
that I've experienced. And my fear is that the gospel that we have to share becomes like background music to our lives. And we just leave it for some of the extroverts to sing when God is inviting the whole body of Christ to move with what our spirit is already moving in the places of everyday life. In our own words, in our own voice, even when we haven't all got our lives put together in a neat way. Because somehow that's part of the witness. They say, God has done something great for us. Let's celebrate together. There's a place for you at this table. Come and see. Because God is sending everyday people who have encountered him with courage to share. Let me finish with this story, of a story I love to tell. Albert McMakin was a 24-year-old farmer who had recently come to faith in Christ. And he was so full of enthusiasm that Albert filled a truck full of people and they went to go hear more about Jesus at this, this meeting that was happening nearby. And Albert had this friend. It was a good-looking farmer's son. And he was eager to bring his friend along, but his friend wasn't very easy to persuade because he was busy falling in and out of love with different girls. He didn't seem to be attracted to Jesus in any way. But eventually, Albert managed to invite his friend to come along. He persuaded him, asking him to drive the truck to this meeting. Well, Albert's friend arrived with all the guests, and he decided to join along to go in and hear, hear more about this Jesus. And he was spellbound, began to have thoughts he'd never had before. And Albert's friend went again, night after night, until one night he came forward and gave his life to Jesus. And that man, Albert's friend, the driver of the truck, was Billy Graham. And the year was 1934. And we know that since that time, Billy went on to share the gospel to millions around the world. And in fact, God used Billy's ministry in Australia in a powerful way in 59 and in the 70s. And there's not a church I go to on a Sunday where there hasn't been lives that have been touched through what God did in Billy's ministry. Is there anyone here tonight or this morning that, that has been touched by Billy's ministry from years ago? Yeah, I see a few hands going up right now. Now, we can't all be Billy Graham. But we can all be like his friend Albert and say, come and see. Come and see. Billy Graham himself said, I don't need a successor. I only need willing hands to accept the torch for a new generation. We are that new generation. And I wonder what might happen if the church would take that last command. Now, you and I, and live like it's a first priority. Live out of this new song he wants to sing that will bring life. This reality, kingdom reality that we can join in right now for all who are thirsty, all who are hungry. We're going to watch just a story of invitation right now. And I want you to begin to think about, we're going to move right from this to a time of communion. 
from this video that I want you to watch, a story of invitation, but to begin to think about the communion table. And if you have the communion elements, maybe hold it in your hand and think about who you might invite to come and sit at the table ahead as you launch Alpha and explore questions of faith in life. So I'll watch this video and then I'll close us off at the end. My name's Phil Kim. I live in Brisbane in Queensland. I'm married, I have two adult children. How did I come to Alpha? I've been riding or cycling for some 10 to 15 years. In 2013, my oldest lad asked me if I'd like to join a group called Altitude. He'd been riding with them um, for a few weeks and really liked the people. And uh, I didn't really want to go, to be quite honest, because um, I heard that the Altitude crew were mainly Christians. Um, so I kind of resisted for a few weeks. And then um, one morning, uh, Matt got up and he said, come on, join me on a ride. And I thought, oh, why not? And so I kind of enjoyed the morning and then I started riding with him on a regular basis. I think back in, in 2015, uh, before coming to Christ, that it was probably close to being suicidal. Uh, I just didn't know how to do it. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it was one of those things. And, uh, but I also felt that, um, you know, with my family that I couldn't let them down. I was still, you know, that would have been a very difficult thing to do. But there was also the thing that I probably could have just abandoned everything at the left home and lived on the streets. It was that close. I was able to share that with, with these guys, which I wouldn't share with lots of other groups, but because of the relationship that we built with these guys and their character, I felt quite comfortable in doing that. From that conversation that, that evening, um, Rod rang me up and um, asked me to come to Alpha. If you have the opportunity to invite somebody to Alpha, I would, I would recommend you grab it and, and do it. There's, there's no easier way that I know of to walk people through into, into finding Jesus Christ as their saviour. So the night that I rolled up at Alpha, it was, um, it took me by surprise. I hadn't really been to church and, and that's the thing too. Uh, I've not been to church for, at that stage, for some 40 years. And the first thing I noticed in there was that um, it was a very welcoming, very loving and, and they were engaged me and they asked me questions. We had the video, which I really enjoyed. And I went away and thought about that a lot um, the following week and actually looked forward to the second session. And again, the questions, the video was really good. I really liked the, the topics and uh, they really sort of started to open my mind up to, to thinking about that through the week. By the, the third week, I was pretty much all in. Uh, I remember dri driving home that night and thinking, wow, this is probably the best thing I've ever done. My world was just collapsing around me. I'd lived in internally relying on my own strength to live through the, the difficult times. And I couldn't do that anymore. And now, now through Alpha, it's opened up that I can actually lean on, on Jesus and, and that now I go to church regularly, still mentored and, and through, through Rod um, and the other Christians I know. And yeah, it's been a great honour, a great privilege um, and an absolute joy to see his life changed um, so radically and so quickly because within a few weeks I could see his life changing. Um, not only was, was he being convicted, but he was enjoying um, the freedom that Christianity was offering him and that God was offering him. First Corinthians 11 says, For I see, receive from the Lord what I have also passed on to you, 
The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you stand with me as I close in prayer and we take the communion together? Father, we thank you that you have prepared a seat for us at your table. And you chose these everyday things to remind us how you are with us in everyday life. Today and ahead. A table, some bread, a cup. Father, this invitation is for the world you love. So we give thanks that we sit at it and help us to think of those who are so hungry, like the story of Phil we just heard. Hungry for something more. Thirsty. For a hope beyond what is seen. God, give us courage as we receive from you now to step forward in this cultural moment. To share the good news that you have in mind for us ahead. Give thanks as we take this cup and this bread together. And God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through the hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.